Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. All right. What up? What's up? Welcome back to Waveform. Yep. It's yeah, a pretty breezy week, right? Pretty light week, honestly. It's Thanksgiving week. People are at home with their families. Sort of holiday type stuff. We kind of slow down a little bit. Yeah, things wind down. People totally people fair. stop releasing major news that could, um, I don't know, like news that could like change the fate of... Um, Humanity! Oh my god, Apple is out of RCS! Nothing Chats has been deleted. Sunburn is gone! Sam Altman is fired from OpenAI. He's what? a CEO at Microsoft now? Oh, or maybe he's not. SpaceOck 6 rocket exploded. Dua Lipa interviewed Tim Cook. And Hook. there's a 400-mile pole star! Oh my... Oh, guys, this is, um... This is a pro... Oh. <clears throat> okay. I think we, we had, aged about 75 years in the last four days. I just want to say, <laughs> this week has been... Thank you guys for making that dramatic entrance <laughs> so much worse. We planned it out and everything. It I, was great. I, I just I feel like this week has been the most insane week in technology for like five years at least. Really? That's how I feel personally. In technology? Mm. Just in technology news. It's definitely a a lot of things happening at once, all of which are very dramatic. Yes. And a lot of, of things which. that we never thought would ever happen. Interesting. Well, where do we start? Uh, there's a couple things that I literally would have put money on never happening yes. that we could start with. You yeah. Wanted, maybe the maybe the nothing Sunbird RCS thing is the right. Thing. That's a whole experience in itself. Okay, let's start with that then. Okay. So uh, we could go rewind a little bit to literally last week's episode when yeah. we were talking about the video that we made about nothing trying this weird thing, being this quirky weird company, uh, making an app. That would bring iMessage to their newest phone. Yeah, the Nothing Phone 2. And the challenges that they would have with that and obviously the reasons why they were going to try this crazy thing. Uh, ultimately, what they were doing was branding or skinning an existing app called Sunbird, right. which was in beta and wasn't really publicly available. So them, they're bringing it to the public. Um but ultimately having a, a number of security concerns, as I mentioned in the video, like yeah. you probably don't ever want to type your Apple credentials into a third-party service ever, yeah. probably, yeah. right? But, you know, it was an option, so I, it just was something that people should be aware of being available to them. No more than, I don't know, five days after that video? It yeah, it Probably was like three days even after that before, video. Yeah, it was, it was very quick. Yeah, very quickly. It gets all the attention in the world, and everyone's security concerns are rightfully Realized. brought to the forefront immediately. Like yes. almost over the top of all of the top of, wow, 
iMessage for Android, huh? That's interesting. Like nobody was talking about that anymore. It was yeah. immediately like, this is kind of a hack. You should probably never use it. By the way, I didn't log in with my own credentials. I logged in with the studio account. So that one may be, uh, <laughs> maybe not in the best situation. But either yeah. way, uh, immediately gets talked a lot about the security, right? Um, how many days later was it that Sunbird uh, or Nothing Chats was removed from the Play Store yeah. over these security concerns. Yeah, pretty much immediately uh, security researchers started ripping it apart, um, most notably cool, cool. from one of their competitors called Text.com. They have a about Texts.com, okay. uh, which is owned by Automatic, which also owns WordPress and Tumblr. They had a bunch of security researchers just rip it apart, and they found a lot of really big problems yeah. um, that Sunbird was very shady about, was hiding a lot of stuff about, um, Things like they were using HTTP instead of HTTPS, which is, like, difficult to do what nowadays. Oh, how do you even get... <clears throat> wow. They were storing all the media and text in, like, plain text what? in a Firebase database. Um, yeah. So so Great. it's it was really bad. Uh, I kind of picture, like, the Nothing team and Carl watching this unfold, like, oh... Yeah, it could have totally gone. We could have seen this coming a mile away. Like yeah. this is not a great, I, uh, a great look. I feel them. like nothing really should have done their due diligence here <laughs> and like had their own security team because, especially because nothing put their name on it in their video. They said we made an iMessage on Android app, mm -hmm. which they didn't. They yeah, and they helped they, bring one to market. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that happened. Yeah, they pulled it immediately from the Play Store. <laughs> um, and then as an update. Sunbird just today, Tuesday, day of recording, <laughs> Sunbird also suspended their operations indefinitely until they can figure out a solution. Uh, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen because I feel like their name is pretty tainted at this point. Yeah. So we went from nothing launching a big collab with Sunbird that would be available to everybody soon to it being removed from the Play Store to Sunbird no longer existing as a company. Sort of. Like they're still they they still exist and they're just oh, they're just like seizing just all down. operations indefinitely. Cool cool, um, cool cool cool. And I just want to point out the timeline here, right? So like we put out the nothing chats video on the 14th when they announced it. Mm -hmm. uh, by the 17th, <clears throat> that's when they they got shut down that nothing chats then cut shut down but on the 16th <clears throat> the evening of november th the 16th on thursday yeah i'm sitting i'm a little i'm just typing on my little computer this is one of those do you remember where you were moments <laughs> yes it really <laughs> is i was typing at a bar i was just like typing words and i just see somebody posted it in slack mm -hmm. this thing about rcs coming to the iphone the day before nothing chats was supposed to come out by the way yep um, wow. Yeah, I remember where I was, too. Where were you? So I was on a, we were on the plane to Las Vegas for the F1 race, mm. which we'll get to later. And I had just gotten my room key and headed up to my room. I had just unpacked and, like, took my stuff out my bag, put it down, and opened my laptop and logged into the Wi-Fi. And that's the first thing I saw. Wow. I like, Oh, dang. <laughs> so what we saw was the headlines or commentary about the news that the iPhone will be getting RCS support after all next year in 2024. Yeah. Now, whoa, we've been talking forever about the green bubble versus blue bubble thing. And I want to be very clear. That's not going away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's definitely <laughs> yeah. not going away. But what Google has been pushing so hard and what a lot of people have been asking for is like today 
when an Android phone and an iPhone message each other, it is a horrible experience mm -hmm. on purpose. Apple has been just running it back through SMS and MMS. If I send you a picture, it compresses it down to, I don't know how many, 190 bytes, whatever it is. It looks like trash. Yeah. Videos get compressed to look like they were from the 1800s. Yeah, and little like, little rectangular box. It's horrible. It's all <laughs> unencrypted. Yeah. Like, it's a disaster. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, we wanted better support uh, between Android phones and iPhones. So... Android phones, all new phones, basically, supporting RCS. Yeah. The iPhone gaining RCS support in 2024 means that, one, green bubbles will stay green, but they will now be RCS messages instead of SMS and MMS. Yeah. Which, ideally, and correct me if I'm messing up some of these, but I think that means we're going to get okay. read receipts. Yep. We're going to get typing indicators. Yep. We're going to get possibly reaction support yeah. and ideally higher quality media. So high resolution photos, high resolution videos, and I think sending them over the internet yes. too. Yeah. So all of that inline is- Inline replies. Yeah, inline replies, threads, all of that is much, much better. It still isn't iMessage, it's alongside iMessage on the iPhone. Right. But the last bit of it was it's still unencrypted. Yeah. And from what I understand, this is because the the RCS universal profile that Apple is pledging to support, it doesn't have RCS built in, or yeah. sorry, it doesn't have encryption built in. Encryption, that was a yeah, yeah, yeah. Add-on. Yes, it's it's very weird. The universal profile that was built by the GSMA mm -hmm. um, has all of those things like typing indicators and red receipts and all this stuff. Yep. But there's no encryption built in, and my assumption for that would be the fact. I believe there is encryption. It's encrypted in transit. It's just not end-to-end -end encrypted. Uh, okay. I've been trying so hard to figure out what that means. I can't. It's, yeah. But I, in the universal profile? In the universal profile, it is. It, I don't know what it means. All the sources I've read say encrypted in transit, okay. but not end-to-end -end encrypted. Interesting. Please okay. tweet at me and explain what that means. <laughs> okay, well. Good luck in a tweet. For some reason, it was not in the universal profile. I have a inkling that a lot of countries, specifically the EU, is like very against encryption in general, and they've been fighting against encryption for a long time. They've been trying to get people, uh, companies like WhatsApp and all these other manufacturers to not have encryption in their apps because they want to be able to... Oh, uh, like peek in the back peek door? Peek in the back door. Needed. Uh -huh. Yeah, and so there's sort of been this weird power struggle between like Meta and the EU for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, the GSMA obviously covers a lot of the European Union. So, like, it's possible that when they were building the universal profile, they didn't build it in and just said, in your given country or for your given device, you could do whatever you want, but we don't want to build it into the universal profile. I'm not sure. That's just the theory. Um, but currently, Android phones that are using Google Messages use Google's proprietary end-to-end -end encryption standard. Which builds in end-to-end -end encryption. Right, which is so, why it took so long for like Google Messages to add um, group group messages that had end-to-end -end encryption because mm -hmm. they had to update their proprietary stuff. Got it. Yeah, so Apple doesn't want to use their stuff. Obviously. They don't want to use Google's thing. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to use the universal profile. Uh, I've heard that there's hopes that maybe they will be able to add on to the universal profile or maybe support encryption down the road. It would be nice. I don't think it's the yeah. top of everyone's priority list, but I do think it's still pretty important um, considering MMS and SMS to this day, yeah. totally unencrypted. Mm -hmm. So that would be nice. Yeah. But yeah, just one of those things we never thought would happen. Yeah. Just sort of an out of the blue press release. 
Not really too much of a statement from any of the notable Apple people. Yeah. Tim Cook said anything about it. No, 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 no. He's too busy getting interviewed. A lot of people are like, nothing made Apple make this move. And no, it's not that because the day Thursday that they that they announced it Mm -hmm. was actually the um, it was the last day that Apple had to make their case to the European to the EU that they were not a core platform service for iMessage. So the EU, they issued a bunch of gatekeepers. They said these companies are gatekeepers with these apps in these types of platforms. So they had messaging platforms, they had social media, they had all this. So TikTok mm-hmm. was on there, Google was on there for various things. And iMessage got listed as a potential gatekeeper that over a long period of time they were going to issue an investigation into to determine whether or not they were gatekeepers. And okay. Apple had until Thursday to make their case to the EU why they weren't gatekeepers. Mm. And so on the evening of the final day, the dawn of the final day, yeah. they go, we support RCS. Yeah. Of course we're not gatekeepers. We're about to anyway. Universal profile. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think ships first? RCS on the iPhone or Vision Pro? Vision Pro. Because Vision Pro is slated for potentially March. Like spring? Yeah. And RCS on the iPhone, I would guess, is iOS 18. So maybe not till the next iPhone comes out. Yeah. Got it. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where were you? <laughs> Where were you? Where were you when, when the news went down? <laughs> yeah. That's definitely the biggest news of the week. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a big deal. No, um, yeah, that that was that was really interesting to me. I want to discuss real quick, do you think that the like green bubble, blue bubble thing is going to still be a problem? That's like a conversation that people are having around this right now. Right. Like, is it still going to be this like, oh, you don't have an iPhone, you're a blue bubble? Yes. You think so? Oh, yeah. Apple will find many ways to make that persist <laughs> because they know how strong that is. And yeah. like it, there's still going to be a lot of features that iMessage does not support, you know, with adding into like if you text an Android phone, you still can't probably do lots of things like add them into a group chat or whatever else. Apple iMessage, you can't start a FaceTime from inside mm-hmm. of it. There's lots of things like the games inside of iMessage that people play. All these things that they'll they'll continue to add on. Yeah. I think they're going to c- continue to add specific iMessage only features that aren't supported by RCS. Yeah, they have the whole like iMessage uh, iMessage store thing that you can like download yeah. sticker packs and, and Apple Pay stuff. people in there and yeah. send your stickers and emojis and whatever. I remember watching WWDC, I think it was, and just thinking the entire time every single feature that they're announcing inside of messages yeah. is not supported when you're texting an Android phone. Totally. It must be an <laughs> iPhone. The, like the dragging of the stickers around the chats and the starting of FaceTime from inside of it, everything, the, the yeah. link sharing, link previews, It's it was all just if you text your friend with an iPhone. Yeah. I do wonder uh, if they're going to let you do group chats with iPhone. Uh, iPhones and Android phones, and it'll just make the group chat be green, but it'll still be RCS. So if it's RCS, then the experience isn't getting downgraded that much. Hopefully. So people wouldn't be that mad. I don't know. Hopefully. It's all a big unanswered question, but the fact that they announced they're doing it at all is like a major thing. Yeah. Um, I did see a report that iOS 18 is apparently going to be like one of the biggest iOS updates they've done in recent years because the iPhone 16 is not going to be that different from the 15. That's really funny. So okay. to sell more iPhones, they have to make the next iOS update feel big. Which is funny because your old you iPhone is going to get the software update <laughs> yeah. and it'll be fine. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in that, though. I'm, I'm curious what they're going to be able to add. Maybe yeah. like checking off a box inside a widget. That would be, that'd be super cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 
so that's that's nothing chats rcs on iphone and sunbird all in one week yep so that's your that's your quick quick breeze through <laughs> of maybe one of the biggest news stories of the past year yeah just one of many we have here on this episode of waveform <laughs> yeah uh we're gonna we'll take a quick break because yeah. we've got plenty more to talk about but of course as we do our quick break we should we should do some trivia all right Trivia. Okay, so the next segment we're about to get into after the break, that's Marquez, we're hitting <laughs> the microphone, nice. is all about Sam Altman oh boy. at OpenAI. <laughs> oh that's going to be a doozy. But oh before we get there, one year before OpenAI was launched in 2015, David just told me, <laughs> for a total of eight days, Sam Altman was the CEO of what popular social media company? I don't like that look in your <laughs> eyes. I don't like that sparkle in your eyes. Uh, Sam Altman was the CEO of what popular social media? For eight days. It's currently popular? Yep. Wow. Sam Altman was the CEO for eight days of a popular social media company. There's not that many popular social media <laughs> companies. I'm just, just saying. Yeah, true. It's probably X back in 2016. Oh, I'm going to think on that. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll be, be right back. back. <laughs> Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite. And that's exactly what NetSuite provides. Support. But what they really provide is support where you need it because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, as you may have heard before, and okay, I just want to I just want to like take this quick note to say you're you're watching slash listening to this probably on Friday. We are currently recording this on Tuesday. That's a big deal. A lot of stuff probably happened. So I really I really am sorry if we're out of date with this. We are yeah. trying our best. Uh, a lot happened since Friday. Yeah. So we're gonna talk OpenAI. Yeah. Microsoft, etc. We're yeah. gonna try to go blow for blow 
timeline up until now, the moment of recording. Right. Acknowledging that some stuff's probably going to happen after we record, yeah. before this video goes up, and that's fine. At least you'll be up to speed on Maybe Thursday. they'll take a Thanksgiving break and uh, nothing no will shot. happen. No <laughs> chance. No <laughs> way. Nice. Okay. One of the wildest, uh, most, I guess wildest <laughs> meaning like most unexpected stories kind of out of nowhere with no seeming explanation yeah so still no explanation as of recording 4 p.m eastern time on tuesday so um, it's a weird one because i can't begin with so how did it start because there's you not... kind of can because i actually went back to 2015 for this timeline oh okay let's start there <laughs> okay. what happened all right uh a lot of you Potentially have heard of OpenAI probably by now. You probably already know. We made a video about Dolly, which they make, which was a text-to-image generator that mm -hmm. kind of like got everyone excited. But then ChatGPT came out in... All of this is less than two years. Less than one year less for ChatGPT. ChatGPT came out one year ago, November Jesus. 2022. Yeah. Insane. Um, <clears throat> so ChatGPT came out in 2022, and that kind of... <laughs> blew the lid off of this whole like AI revolution. Just everyone talking about AI every single week, advancements mm -hmm. being made, everything. Um, Transformers, what ChatGPT is based on, have been around since 2017, but OpenAI was the first company that kind of like took the lid off of what they could do and really showed people what these models were like to play with. Mm -hmm. So since 2017, um, I'm just setting the stage, by the way. <laughs> Since 2017, Microsoft invested a 49% stake in OpenAI, which, right. which gave it the ability to um, have a lot of cloud credits with Microsoft Azure because they need these uh, server farms to run their models on. Right. To me, it felt like we're too big and they're too big to straight up acquire OpenAI. Possibly regulations would not let that go through. But we're going to act a lot like we would have if we did acquire OpenAI, meaning they're very close partners. Yeah. They work together on new products, new announcements, new features. They give each other exclusive access to things. Yeah. Microsoft and OpenAI are like pretty. They're tight. like, they're very tightly bonded. There's actually yeah. an org chart um, on the OpenAI website, and it shows Microsoft as like a minority investor mm -hmm. in the org chart. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so they they invested a forty for a forty nine percent stake, which was effectively just like a ten to eleven billion dollar investment, mostly in Azure cloud credits. Which means they didn't give them cash. And when you say that they like oh. kind of get to own OpenAI in a it, sort of, they get to do that without actually giving them cash. Imagine like walking into a Best Buy and if they gave you enough gift cards, <laughs> you would just own the Best Buy. <laughs> yeah. That was a horrible <laughs> yeah. analogy. I mean, it's not that different. But think about that. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, it's not that different. They didn't really give you anything. Yeah. By the way, I think it's Azure. Yes. Yes, Azure. Microsoft Azure. 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 Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you can see that Microsoft has definitely taken advantage of this partnership over the last year, right? Yep. They released Bing Chat. Yep. They released... We've made so many videos around, like, why Microsoft has so much to gain, so little to lose versus Google. They really, like kept this investment pretty quiet until ChatGPT came out, and then they took the lid off of it. Yeah. Now, on Friday, last Friday, uh, OpenAI's board very abruptly fired the CEO, Sam Altman. Mm -hmm. um, and the saga that unfolded since then, or that has unfolded and is still currently as of recording unfolding, is probably the most fast-paced, most in the open, happening on Twitter, happening on threads, live, I am glued to my phone, I can't stop refreshing my computer 
drama that we've seen in a very long time. Is it happening on Threads too? A little bit on Threads. I've seen so much on Twitter. Yeah, the problem with Threads is that they don't really have an algorithmic feed. Yeah. And so you can't see. I'm getting stuff that happened two days ago, and it's just. I would have to get lucky for it to pop up on my feed, but Twitter yeah. is just just sitting in the trending topics. Yeah. Yeah. Popping up on my for you page. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I was keeping up with everything on Threads. Really? Personally, yeah. Oh. Just because everyone I was following was talking about it. Yeah. So it wasn't like oh, a you, recommended uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. So before we get into the timeline uh, from Friday, I want to give a little context about OpenAI, the organization. So OpenAI was founded in 2015 as a nonprofit. Right. Um, you can kind of think of them like a research organization. They were basically like, we want to create an artificial general intelligence that benefits all humanity. And effectively, what they would categorize an artificial general intelligence as is a highly autonomous system that outperforms humans at most economically valuable work. Were they started, and this came from a book I've been reading, but sort of as a proxy to the corporate AI things that were being built? Like OpenAI more or less was supposed to exist to, to provide some structure to what AI hopefully could turn into and not go off the rails if it was just controlled by corporations. Yeah, that that was the big thing is that they made it a nonprofit specifically because they didn't want their research and work to be profit driven, which always airs towards acceleration. Yeah. Right. We have to be in, in front of the other people. We have to be better than the other people. So if you're a nonprofit, you don't really have to chase that stuff. Um, and originally when they got founded, they were trying to get $1 billion worth of investments so that they could use that money to run the company and also like hire engineers, do all that stuff. Just a billion. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah just a billion, just, just a billion. billion. Yeah. And they got a bunch of people to invest. Sam Altman invested a bunch of money. Um, he was one of the co-founders. They got Elon Musk to invent a, in, invest a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also sitting on the board, I believe. And unfortunately, they were only able to raise about $130.5 million of investment. Can't do anything with that. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Can't run a company with that. Yeah, it, it, it worked for a little bit, but it doesn't really last in the long run, right? So in 2019, um, they kind of realized like, oh, God, like we, we need to figure out how to make money to run this company. Uh, especially because once the transformer was invented in 2017, they started taking advantage of it. All of a sudden, you have to train models that run servers, and they were making things like GPT-2. And they had this, um, it was called the OpenAI 5. This is actually how I heard about it back in, I think, like 2016, 2017. It was a Dota 2 bot, which is the only video game that I play, that (laughs) they trained with unsupervised learning, which is just like, throwing the game in a sandbox and letting the AI learn how to play it with team coordination. Mm -hmm. And they trained it to compete against the best players of Dota 2 in the world. And it won a bunch of times until they Mm -hmm. figured out how to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously they had, they had these little milestones that were really making it work. Um, But then in 2019, they were like, okay, we're running out of money. We actually need to make more money. So what they did was they added a new company underneath the, nonprofit company. So they had the nonprofit, OpenAI. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they had a holding company underneath the nonprofit. And the holdings company was owned by the engineers and employees and the shareholders. And then that holdings company owned the for-profit company. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. But okay. There's a decent amount of uh, businesses that are like this that are trying to be more like 
good for the planet. The whole idea is that the nonprofit still gets to make all the decisions, and the nonprofit is generally made up of people who are not as involved with the day-to-day operations of the for-profit business. I see. Yeah. There's still a sort of a wacky weirdness about an, a nonprofit owning a for-profit company. And, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I get where. Yeah, didn't Patagonia do something like this? Probably something similar. Yeah, it was some sort yeah, of like, like corporate donated, restructuring. Yeah, they there donated profits like to a new not-for-profit that was owned by the person who owned Patagonia. Yeah, some yeah something, yeah, something like, that. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So this new nonprofit company was also a capped. The the new for-profit company was also a capped for-profit company, so they could only make a certain amount of money per year that was used to pay engineers to run the servers and all the extra money got fed back to the nonprofit, which mm-hmm. was used for research, all of the stuff that the nonprofit did. Sure. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. So we got that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's very, this is, that's going to be very important to the story. Okay. Okay. Um, now that restructuring that they did to create the for-profit capped profit company mm-hmm. also came with a 49% minority investment from Microsoft. Um, into the for-profit arm of the company, right? So, because they needed specifically a cash injection, secondarily, they needed servers like Microsoft Azure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Microsoft decided to be hold a 49% stake in the company, which was effectively a $10 billion uh, credit for Azure. Now, specifically, the board of the nonprofit company made sure that Microsoft was not able to have any leverage over what the company was doing, mm-hmm. um, specifically the nonprofit arm of the company. If you go on their website and look at their structure, it says Microsoft in- intentionally does not hold a board seat. Microsoft does not is not able to control what the for-profit company company does. All of this stuff. They were, Look, we don't own them. I swear we don't own them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the nonprofit was like, we're, we're going to continue on our mission, and we need to make sure that Microsoft, a for-profit company, does not like alter our mission in a bunch of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you guys probably saw Bing Chat launched, uh, which spurred this entire AI race with BARD and Google Search Generative Experiences. But Microsoft's been adding GPT capabilities to literally everything. Oh, yeah. We got Copilot, we got Bing Chat, we got uh, Microsoft 365, got all these AI integrations. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you said, it's like, we don't own them, but we're, we kind of, <laughs> yeah. We're not exclusive, but like, it's it's going pretty good. Yeah, they're able to leverage and control a lot of the, non- of the for-profit wing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this all really took off since last November when ChatGPT got released. Um, but since then, they have moved to a paid model, GPT Plus, which gives people access to GPT-4, which is their, is their latest model. Yep. Then Dolly 3 came, which was like the newest version of their text-to-image generator. All this stuff. Um, and people started building on top of G- GPT-4. And the entirety of Silicon Valley suddenly had a bunch of AI startups, which were really just GPT-4 wrappers. Yeah. Which really felt very confusing to me. It did. It also kind of felt like a gold rush in a way, where it felt like every startup I'd seen had some... Like, my inbox, you should see it. It was just AI this, AI that. The What was their... Like, for a while, it became very popular to just say... Yeah, so my company's like the Uber of yeah, blank. exactly. <laughs> and that was a couple years. And then... It's now the chat GPT. We are the chat GPT of blank, or we are the chatbot of, or the AI of blank. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's everywhere. And everyone was just launching chatbots and for some reason saying it was going to change the universe, which I I don't really agree with. Chatbot fridge. Yeah, but that all led up to this OpenAI Dev Day that we actually talked about on last week's episode that happened uh, two weeks ago where they announced GPTs, which was your own personal, like, specifically tailored chat GPT that they were going to have a store for. You could sell them. You could buy them. Very... um, how you make a company at a corporation style thing happening, right? I like the idea. Which for a for a nonprofit organization to be kind of like selling these GPTs felt weird. Mm-hmm. Felt a little weird. But that was a way that they were like, we gotta make money out of this. And uh since then, since twenty nineteen, their the valuation of OpenAI has gone from like twenty billion dollars up to about ninety billion, just to give you context. Mm-hmm. Uh that's what they're valued at right now, or what they were valued at on Thursday. <laughs> um okay. And that all brings us to this last Friday. Uh now we should probably introduce you to the board of the organization because they're going to be very central to this story. Uh so first we've got the CEO, Sam Altman, which we talked about before. Um so you're not reading the script, are you? No. Okay. I was just Googling don't, it. Open AI's evaluation. Don't read the script because that's the answer to the trivia question. <laughs> um, okay. Oh. He was the he developed a social networking app called Looped when he was 19 in 2015. Um, and then he was a partner at Y Combinator, which is the biggest tech startup, incub- startup incubator in the world. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he helped found OpenAI when it launched in 2015. Then we've got another co-founder. We've got uh, Greg Brockman who was Stripe's CTO in 2013. And he left them in 2015 to fund and become the CTO of OpenAI. And he le- led a lot of those early projects that they did. Then you've got the chief scientist, Ilya Sutskever, who, uh, by the way, is the protege of Jeffrey Hinton, who was the guy that invented the neural network, recently left Google to go talk about why he thinks AI is going to destroy the world. Oh, great. Um, so that was fun. Nice. <laughs> okay. So board, those are the board members. We're going to talk about them again in a bit. On Thursday night, uh, Ilya texts Sam asking to schedule a Google Meet call for Friday at noon. Note that Sam was representing OpenAI at a conference on Thursday. You know, they're owned by Microsoft and not using Skype. Just wanted to like... <laughs> not just, well, teams. Just, yeah, just wanted to like throw all that in there real quick. It's People are making this joke and they're saying it's hilarious. Uh, however, the call was coming from the nonprofit arm of OpenAI, and the nonprofit is does not have an investment by Microsoft. Excellent point, David. Thank you. <laughs> so they use the better one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah, people are making all these jokes on Twitter like, please just never answer a Google Meet call ever again. But he takes this Google Meet call, and they basically, like, fire him out of nowhere. Specifically, Ilya, who mm. was the, um, the other co-founder. And they didn't really tell anyone why they fired him. They just said that Sam was not consistently candid in his conversations with the board, which is really vague, like very vague. Yeah. And everyone just starts wildly speculating as to what the heck happened, right? Including us in the Slack. Including us in the (laughs) Slack. Yeah. Immediately after Sam's call, Greg Brockman, who was also on the board and the other co-founder that was not Ilya, got a Google meet call as well answered Mm -hmm. it probably shouldn't have answered it after the first one happened he didn't get fired but he got removed from his board seat and they demoted him in the company but said he was going to stay in the company and like they they called him as they issued a press release 
saying he was staying at the company, he immediately tweets out, no, I'm I'm not staying at this company if you're just going to randomly do this to me. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I'm leaving with Sam no matter what happens. And he tweets out this thing that's li- literally like, we're still trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. So very, very abrupt, this beginning of the chain of events. Yeah. Not really sure what triggered it or what sparked it. It's like, the, yeah. yeah, that's kind of unknown, but it is very quickly starting to send some dominoes scattering. Yeah. 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 And the entire, the t- entirety of the tech space is just like, what is happening? Right. Yeah. Um, on Twitter already. And then uh, Ilya called for an all-hands meeting Friday afternoon where he defended the ousting and said that it was necessary to protect OpenAI's mission of making AI beneficial to humanity. So... It's kind of vague. Yeah, those breadcrumbs lead you to believe, like, okay, I assume that the rest of the board thought that maybe Sam and Greg were doing things that were more commercially driven, right? Yeah. If they wanted to focus specifically on making sure that AI was only being developed for all of humanity and wasn't being like affected by corporations, then maybe he thought that they thought the rest of the board thought that Sam was being like manipulated by Satya and Microsoft or being like overly leveraged by them. Mm -hmm. That's one theory. There are many theories going around. Yep. Um, Microsoft, obviously not very happy about this because they have a 49% stake in the for-profit company. uh, And they also allegedly did not know anything about sam getting fired until the press release went out yeah yeah damn (laughs) when that happened if you googled microsoft stock it was just a straight line down it just (laughs) went boom but yeah and correct me if i'm wrong david the open a the open ai board does not hold a fiduciary responsibility to microsoft correct sam had a fiduciary responsibility to microsoft as the ceo of the for-profit company of which microsoft had a stake but legally speaking according to the the charter the board is only responsible for not killing everyone right and (laughs) sam sam is on the was on the board too but But yeah he right 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 that is that is true (laughs) that is true so all of a sudden, Satya makes this statement at like three in the morning that's like, we at Microsoft still hold steadfast in our mission and are committed to OpenAI as a strategic partner. We're excited to get to know the interim CEO who they like randomly uh, promoted from a role underneath Sam at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything's fine and everything's going steadfast and we're all, we're all cool. Was this a like a weekend tweet to save the markets or? Yes, it was yeah. like I have to put this out before the markets open on Monday. Yeah, because otherwise our stock is going to just totally die. Hmm. Yeah, um, but then three senior executives also resigned in response to the news, and slowly at OpenAI, at OpenAI and slowly people just started trickling out of the company. As far as the timeline is concerned, when is this all happening? Friday night, baby. (laughs) This is still Friday night. And when you say slowly trickling, you mean very, very quickly? Very, very quickly (laughs) trickling out of the company. As far as, yeah, real time. It was happening in real time on Twitter. It was insane. Yeah. Insane. Okay. So I finally go to bed. (laughs) Nice. And now we're on to Saturday morning, November 18th. (laughs) OpenAI sends an internal memo about how internal leadership is scrambling to figure out what happened, and they're still having multiple conversations with the board trying to understand what's going on, because the rest of the board, the remaining four people on the board, were not being 
consistently candid in their conversations (laughs) with the rest of the company, right? Um, And as a recording, right now, we still actually don't know why they fired Sam and Greg. Yeah. Like, it makes... It makes no sense. Hopefully, by the time this podcast goes live on Friday, we'll know what happened, but but who knows. Um, but the memo that they sent said, we can definitively say that the board's decision was not made in response to maleficence. Is that how you pronounce that word? Maleficence? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that yes? I think so. Oh, well. Okay. That word. Malefeasance. Malefeasance. Or anything related to financial, business, safety, or security slash privacy practices. So it looks like Sam didn't like break any major laws or do anything super illegal or I don't know, d- destroy the company financially or anything like that. Sure. Uh, after this, Sam started telling people that he was already planning a new venture because he tweeted out like, well, I'm confused, but excited for what's next. Get ready to see what's next. Mm-hmm. And then Greg Brockman was like, bigger things coming soon. So within like, 12 hours, they already seemed to have a plan with what they wanted to do with the next thing. Don't look back, Sam. Yeah, which... (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Which is crazy. Now, there have been reports that Sam has been apparently fielding investments for a new AI chip startup that could be competing with NVIDIA and reduce reliance on them. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is a theory that he had been using OpenAI's name to sort of get the funding for that, even though it was his personal startup. That is... Just a lot of rumors and reporting, but that's a potential theory, right? Hmm. Um, after this, investors started exerting pressure on OpenAI to reinstate Sam because obviously people were leaving. They were just about to get a $90 billion valuation and anyone could just pull out at any time. Microsoft's investment in OpenAI isn't like they didn't give them all the money. They just gave them credits and they could cancel the credits and say that they didn't like fulfill their obligations or whatever, right? So you you could take this company from worth $90 billion to worth like almost nothing in a weekend. And they didn't want to do that. So the board, uh, investors start going to OpenAI and they're like, board, you have to reinstate Sam. Like this is a huge problem. Um, The board ended up agreeing to reinstate him in principle. I'm not really sure what that means. Uh, But they couldn't come to a decision in the timeline that they were given. They missed multiple deadlines on it. Um, And Sam said that he was ambivalent on coming back and would need significant governance changes if he were to come back. That's Saturday. Okay. Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Sunday. I wake up. I get out of bed. (laughs) I brush my teeth. I open my phone. Oh, my God. (laughs) What do you find? Uh, Sam... Goes to meet the board at OpenAI HQ, where he posts a photo of him with a guest badge saying it's the first and last time he will ever wear one of them. I did see that. He is theoretically going in order to negotiate with them on becoming CEO again, getting rid of the current board, and working on getting a new board in. Because, again, they had theoretically agreed to replace themselves. Yeah. I remember this unfolding on my timeline because I was still reading all of the reactions of what a crazy day in tech that Sam Altman is getting fired from OpenAI. This might be the craziest day. Oh, he's he might be going back. Okay, it's yeah. also an even crazier day now. Right. Like, all of that happened very Yeah, quickly. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, is this going to be a nothing burger? Uh, and then he goes back, and he's trying to work with them to both find a new, uh, to, to basically find new board members. And what was funny about this is that Mira Muarta, who was the interim CEO that they elevated to CEO after they fired him, she was trying the one that was trying to work with them to get him rehired. 
Yeah. Um, he set this noon deadline for them to like figure it out. They asked him if they could extend to 5 p.m. He said okay. And in the period in that five hour period of time where he asked if they could extend till 5 p.m., they fired Mira and hired a new interim CEO. What? Which to me just says that they are like telling him one thing and like trying to like shove something in at the last minute. Wow. Yeah, which is which is not great. Um, and they hired as the new interim CEO Emmett Shear, who is the co-founder of Twitch. For some reason, straight off the streets. Yeah, like you. Do you want to be the CEO? <laughs> Come on, get over Kinda. here. Kinda. I mean, apparently they went to a bunch of di- uh, like two different AI companies and asked them in five hours. In five hours, is this just and Zoom calls. Like, hey, can I get on a call real quick? You yeah. want a job? You want to be the CEO of OpenAI, your biggest competitor? Wow. Um, both of those people said no, and apparently Emmett Shear almost said no, but then said yes. Which is kind of ironic because he's tweeted some very weird stuff recently. Like he said that uh, he thinks the CEO job could easily get automated away except for a few key decisions, which is maybe why he joined. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, Meanwhile, pretty much every single employee at OpenAI started retweeting Sam's tweets with heart emojis, which to me signals that they are basically saying like, if you go start your own new company, we're going to come with you. Okay. Yeah. It was almost every single employee. So there was just heart emojis. So they seem to like, like crazy. Sam being the CEO. People seem to like Sam being the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the end of Sunday. Okay. <laughs> Monday. <laughs> I wake up. I brush my teeth. I open my phone. 3 a.m. <laughs> it's announced that Sam, Greg, and others will be joining Microsoft... Uh, to lead a new advanced AI research division. This is all before the market's even open on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Cool. This all happened in like 48 hours. Yeah. Jeez. So, and then Satya effectively says, any other open AI employees that want to go to Microsoft can come too, which is hilarious. There were Microsoft employees that were me- tweeting like these memes out being like, I thought we didn't have headcount, <laughs> and now 770 employees are going to come to Microsoft. This is also really funny, just in the context of you probably can't acquire OpenAI, but if they all leave at once and you hire all of them, technically you didn't acquire them. You didn't acquire them, you but just that's got... that's pretty good for Microsoft. <laughs> that would be yeah, it's gonna it would be insane for Microsoft. They get the company wow. for free. They already have all the Azure servers. Like they had already been already been working with them so closely that it would probably be pretty easy for them to get back to normal, Mm -hmm. right? Which seems great, except it's not great that Microsoft, already a giant tech juggernaut, would now just own, effectively, the biggest AI in the world. Like absorbing absorbs a whole bunch of people. I I got Activision Blizzard. Now I'm going for OpenAI. Now I'm coming for you. Yeah, Yeah, it was was a whole situation. Um, Very crazy. Yeah, like like we said, like OpenAI was about to be valued at $87 billion and Microsoft just effectively got them for free, which is insane. That would be the biggest Satya, you dog. deal <laughs> you ever. Dog. Satya, you dog. Yeah, and after after Satya said this, the stock price went to the moon. Oh. So at first it dipped when yeah. Sam said he got fired and then Satya was like, we hired Sam. And it was like, Whoop. Wow. Yeah, Sam Allman moves markets. $87 um, billion. But then a little bit later on Monday, Ilya, the board member that uh, kind of fired Sam, tweeted out that he deeply regretted his participation in the board's actions, and he's doing everything that he can to reunite the company, 
which is crazy because a lot of people were speculating that he was the one that convinced the board to fire Sam in the first place, considering Jeffrey Hinton, his like, you know, person that he trained under was the one that is the most worried about evil AI taking over. Mm -hmm. And the biggest theory going around is that Ilya was so concerned about the acceleration through corporate means that he didn't feel like the nonprofit part of OpenAI, which was supposed to be the main part of the company, had any governance anymore. And they just needed to replace him with someone who would slow down. Hmm. So it's insane that he's saying that he... Like, I regret everything. Yeah. Come back, Sam. Yeah. So uh, people don't hate me as much. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then in the morning on Monday, this letter comes out with 505 of OpenAI's roughly 770 employees saying that they will resign if Sam and Greg are not reinstated and the board is ousted. Uh, By 5 p.m., that number was up to 738 employees out of the 770. Over 98%. And I would guess that the remaining, like, 30 employees were probably just on vacation. That'd be my guess. (laughs) Because if you're one of the few people that was like, nah, I'm staying on this sinking ship. When it's 769 out of 70 and you're the last guy, you're like, oh, it's me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you're dancing on the Titanic. That's wild. Yeah. Um, But... Plot twist for the HBO drama that's about to come out in a couple of years from this. Uh, Ilya's name was also on this letter. Um, okay, that's just confusing. That's just confusing. What is go- so? Guy who fired Sam says we demand Sam back. Yeah. So we okay. All right. <laughs> we both demand Sam back, and we demand that I am fired and replaced. We yeah. So that's. That's really committing to the I regret this. Yeah. Really committing. <laughs> Hardcore committing to that. Wow. But like, you know, isn't Sam a Microsoft employee now? Like, didn't Satya just say that he was going to hire Sam? Like, he put out this statement, and now everyone's saying, come back. And then last night, Monday night, Satya went on multiple interviews on, like, CNBC and on Kara Swisher's On Podcast, mm-hmm. and they're all like, well, like, isn't Sam a Microsoft employee now? And Satya's just like... Whatever Sam wants to do, he can do. It's totally up to him. If he wants to come join us, I'm cool with that. If he wants to go back to OpenAI, I'm cool with that. I'll support him no matter what. That sounds like we sent him something he hasn't signed yet, so I can't say he's an employee yet, but come on, Sam. Yeah, he's fielding his options, clearly. For sure. But it's just insane that the CEO of Microsoft, like, put out statements being like, they now work for us, we are starting a new experimental AI division, and that was just kind of a... I don't know, maybe, maybe (laughs) it was literally just to save the stock. He's trying to secure the, yeah, secure the stock without having actually secured anything yet. Yeah. Now we're down to reports where Sam is apparently trying to go back to the, go back to open AI today, Tuesday, as of this morning, they were apparently back in negotiations, uh, trying to get him back there. And the Twitch CEO who was the who became the interim CEO, the old Twitch CEO, became the interim CEO of OpenAI, is now saying he's going to resign if the board doesn't tell him what happened and why they fired Sam, which they didn't even tell him. They didn't even tell Sam. No. Like, I would hope that by now he knows, but he, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense. So as of 4.27 p.m. Eastern Time... <laughs> Tuesday, November 21st. Yeah, check Twitter. Real quick, let me just check Twitter. Yeah, you're probably right. I think that's it. Make sure nothing has been posted. We are up to date. Okay, nothing has been posted so far. So far, that's where we're at. Um, There were reports that 
they were trying to get Anthropic to merge with them to take over the board. And Anthropic is open one of OpenAI's biggest competitors. They make an AI called Claude, which is supposed to be like a much more friendly, much more aligned AI. And they have all these like guidelines and rules. Mm. It's it's a whole thing. There are two potential outcomes that happen. Either Sam comes back as CEO, the board gets completely replaced, and we are looking at a very, very different OpenAI, even with the nonprofit board that probably doesn't care as much about um, making sure that AI doesn't take over humanity. So that's where we're at currently. So either Sam goes back and we have a very different company, or he doesn't go back and the entirety of OpenAI goes to Microsoft, uh, and the actual OpenAI turns into a pile of dust. Okay. If you had to make a prediction, which is such a silly thing to do because you're going to know before this even goes live, but what would you quickly think is actually going to happen? I think that the board is going to cave because each individual member of the board, like their reputation is on the line. There's three of them that are making this decision because Ilya caved. And the entire company seems to disagree with the board. The entire company disagrees with them, and I don't think those three people are ever going to have a job anywhere ever again. Yeah, fair. If they allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, However, that apparently their original, like, idea of OpenAI was that they want the company to be able to fail in the event that they disagree with the direction it's going in because they want so badly for... Uh, these this AGI model to not take over the world and destroy humanity or whatever mm-hmm. that they're willing to like put the company up in smoke and they have so far resisted so much mm-hmm. that it's also an equal possibility that that just doesn't happen and then Microsoft becomes like three times more powerful. I think that he will go back to OpenAI personally, and this will all be kind of a nothing burger, except for the fact that the company is completely restructured and it's much more of a for-profit company. Um, yeah, what would your what would your prediction be? I I feel like I agree. I, just having that overwhelming whatever seven hundred plus out of seven hundred seventy all seemed to send a pretty quick, yeah, obvious message that hey, we. We preferred the way it was when Sam was running it. Yeah. Then it seems like they've made it very clear that that's what they want to do. So I don't know. It is weird. I, it's a developing story. Yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, that was our summary up until this point. So at least as you now read further headlines, you know of this history. Yeah. You, can <laughs> you know where we follow were it. You know where we were in, yeah. in the moment on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, fascinating stuff. These conversations that with him returning to the company were supposed to happen today, Tuesday. Pacific time, so three hours before currently right now. So this could change within the next few hours. Perfect. But uh, <laughs> Perfect. and maybe we'll be able to add a little snippet in tomorrow if it's changed by then. Sure. But um, but yeah, it's been very insane to watch happen in real time. Well, look at that. It's uh less than twenty four hours later. Real quick, we said we'd be back if something happened. It's the next day. Something happened. Something happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, real quick, just a quick add-on to f- to actually get to the the point where we're gonna just ship this episode. What yeah. happened since yesterday? Okay, so yesterday we were speculating uh, whether or not Sam was gonna be reinstated, whether or not there's gonna be a new board. As of like 1 a.m. Eastern time last night, uh, Sam is back. We predicted correctly. OpenAI, yes, yes, we did. There is a new board. We predicted correctly. Yeah. Uh, OpenAI put out a statement uh, that said, we have reached an agreement in principle, yet again in principle, hmm. 
Whatever that means. That just, I think that just means we haven't signed anything yet, but somebody said it on the phone, so we're counting it. Yeah. Uh, forced him to return to OpenAI as CEO with a new initial board of Brett Taylor, Larry Summers, and Adam D'Angelo. We are cl- uh, collaborating to figure out the details. Thank you so much and your patience through this. Um, yeah, okay. So just to set the stage a little, Brett Taylor is the former CTO of Facebook, and he was on the ch- he was a chairman of Twitter before the Musk acquisition. You mean Meta and X? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh he was also the co-CEO of Salesforce until January of this year, aka oh, Slack. Co-CEO. Um yeah. Larry Summers is an economist and was the former Treasury Secretary for some reason. I'm not sure why he's on this board. Hmm. Very strange. Anyway, um the initial point of the board is going to grow it to grow it to 9 people so that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. Microsoft wants to have a seat on the board, and Sam also wants to be on the board, but they're not on the initial board. And Satya says he doesn't want any more surprises. <laughs> good good statement. I would be very yeah. terrified of Satya just showing up it at night and I don't want me. any more surprises. I don't want any more surprises now, do we? Yeah. Um, okay, I still have a couple questions from this, though, right? <clears throat> First of all, what happens to Ilya? Because he was on the board, he got kicked off the board, but he also flipped to support Sam. Is he still at the company? He signed that paper with the other 700 employees. Unsure. I keep doing research on this and I can't find anything. Okay. So maybe stuff will come out in the next uh, day That's or still so near as of recording. Yes. Yeah. Um, but obviously the biggest question is what actually happened here, right? And there actually has been some reporting that gives some insight into what people think actually happened. Okay. Uh, there's this report from the New York Times that says that this, that Sam and the board have been fighting for more than a year now, but it got a lot worse after ChatGPT launched and everything got more commercialized. Apparently, Helen Toner, which you rem- if you remember from earlier, was that Georgetown University person on the board. She co-wrote a paper for Georgetown that was very critical of OpenAI's approach to safety and praised Anthropic's approach to safety. Mm. Um, Sam reprimanded Helen for this paper, according to some emails that the that Times got a hold of. And he said, I do not feel we're on the same page on the damage of this paper. Any amount of criticism from a board member carries a lot of weight. He also apparently talked to a number of other higher-ups about potentially getting her removed from the board. Mm. And Ilya was apparently thinking about also wanting to remove her from the board and then i guess since then they all were like nah hmm. sam needs to get removed from a board so there was already some friction huh. yeah so there also used to be three more members of the board but those positions never got filled um it just seems like a lot of small things that kind of led to a crazy weekend got it yeah. okay yeah well now we know now we know we, now we know what we know we don't know what we don't know but we know what we know so if you do, if you didn't know, now, now you know. know. But if you if we if we don't know, then you also don't know. So that's true. Unless you went on the internet, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's the end of the interjection. Hopefully, hopefully, not too much else. Uh, yeah, this that's up until three ten p.m. Wednesday, November twenty first. If things changed, I'm sorry. Ship it. All right. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's not the only thing that happened this week. <laughs> there are some other things that we're still going to talk about right after the break. So let's do trivia. Do a Lipa interviewed Tim Cook? She did. She did. They talked about Vision Pro. She seemed very impressed. 
for some reason. I knew you were hoping to know what Dua Lipa thought of Vision Pro. So. She, she got to try it? No. Oh. oh. No, no really? Try it. They just, just talked about just it? talked about it. That's dumb. Yeah. It's <laughs> what? a podcast, you know. <laughs> really? Wow. All right. Trivia. Also, more news that's broken uh, while we're recording <laughs> this podcast, even. No. Um, Binance's CZ oh. yeah. is uh, pleading guilty. Doesn't really deserve a full news section because if you didn't see that coming, um, <laughs> I don't know what sort of news you're paying attention to. But now, trivia! So, continuing with our Sam Altman trivia this week. Oh no. <laughs> while building his first app, Looped, Sam Altman reportedly worked so hard that he got what? Old timey disease. Oh, I know this. That's crazy. A. You know this. Gangrene. Yeah. B. Scurvy. C. Consumption. Or D. Typhus. Okay. I have a guess. Okay. Yeah, why do you know that? <laughs> I must have recently read this. I guess. Huh. Or yeah. All right. Weird. We'll figure it out after the break. We will. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. Jumping into the final section, we've got a couple quick hits that somehow weren't the biggest news of the past six to seven days. Yeah. Just sort of got swept under the rug, but still kind of interesting. Might have been headliners in their own weeks, mm. but um, an interesting one for me was the Polestar 2 quietly got a range bump for the 2024 model with a 655-kilometer range. That's over 400 miles of range. 406, 407. Uh, didn't seem to make that many headlines, that's but pretty, that's I know. pretty good. 400 miles of range. I remember you posting the tweet about it from Polestar, and I looked it up to try to find articles, and there were only, like, two articles about Just it. Just a few. It was, like, a kind of a quiet news week, so I kind of figured it would be more like... Isn't that fairly major? Because don't not that many uh, EVs have over 400 miles of range? That's a really good point. I think I can only name EQS... Lucid Air. I don't think the Rivian with the Max Packs. The long range shipping. Model S. Long range Model S claims it does right? claim oh, over four hundred. Yeah, yeah. yeah true. and then yeah, now Polestar Two. What does the EQS have? I think there's an EQS that just has around four fifteen or something like that. Dang. Uh, Lucid's way over four hundred. Really? Yeah. There the gravity that we just saw is gravity. announced. It's supposed to ship with four hundred forty miles of range on their SUV. Dang. Um. Except I think, if you have too many kids in the back seat. I'm sure if you load it up, it's not going to go 440 <laughs> miles. But, you yeah, know, yeah. that's it's cool to see. I think Rivian might have an Honest 400 when they ship theirs. With the with the range pack? With the Mac, Max pack. Mm. Yeah, the big boy. So, yeah. So, yeah, the Polestar. Add that to the list. 400 plus mile range. That's EVs. awesome. I feel like that's a pretty good number, too, that you want to hit. They're achieving this with a bunch of small things that sort of add up to, like, a 10% boost in yeah. range, like a slightly larger battery. It goes from 78 to 82 kilowatt hours. Okay. It's a little bit of a refresh, so it's a little more aerodynamic. It's mm. got the nose cone now. So you add that stuff together and you end up with a more efficient drivetrain. But this is not yet the one that's using the NACS charger, right? Uh, that happens in 2025? Uh, I think this, well... That's unclear. <laughs> the tweet doesn't tell <laughs> okay. me too much. Okay. It just says the Polestar 2, the upgraded Polestar 2, will have a, a barrier-breaking super long range. Ironically, so. the photos they tweeted only show from the right side and the back, but not where the charge port is. Yeah, no info on that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm most interested in, is I don't really want to get an EV until everything starts moving over to NACS anyway. Yeah, that is that is a really good point. I feel like... In the age of recommending EVs, when you're really thinking about buying a car, if you don't need one right now, if you're thinking about getting an EV, I would strongly suggest if you can wait one more year, yeah, every single EV that is going to get better. They're all going to have the Tesla charge port. Almost all of them now have made that promise yeah. that they're going to support NACS, and then they'll have way more chargers available to them as far as road tripping goes anyway. If you're yeah. never going to road trip, fine. I, I guess it doesn't matter. But yeah. 
that is a hashtag pro tip if you were thinking about getting an electric car anytime soon. Yeah, pretty worth having. Yeah. Uh, and then one more bit is, uh, we did get to the, go to the F1 race. This was sort of in the background of all of this, uh, me and a slice of the team, we went out to Las Vegas for one of the races near the end of the formula one season. Did you get to see the sphere? We did get to see the sphere. I know it's, it's just as exciting as the race. It is quite a large spherical building with screens on the outside. (laughs) It's pretty sick. I, first thing I noticed when I looked at it and, uh, Ellis can verify, I was like, I think that's 90 hertz. Oh, really? I think it's 90 hertz. Wow. But it's hard to say, like, what is a 90 hertz thing at that scale? Like, it's a right. huge, it's an LED wall, basically, like, yeah. stitched together. Like, I think animations moving across the sphere looked very smooth, like they were 90 hertz, but yeah. I don't know if they're refreshing at 90 hertz. We only want one thing, and it's disgusting it's to see the LA sphere. <laughs> it is, oh, Vegas sphere. Vegas, Vegas sphere. Say LA. It is super yeah. interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the F1 race was like, a, it's a street race, so part of the track was the Las Vegas Strip. Yeah. It was a very picturesque race. It was at night, too. Yeah. But the one thing that's going to stick with me is just how much louder and more, like, visceral it is yeah. in person I was thinking than a broadcast. Because I saw all your Instagram stories, and I, you were just like, it, this is so insane. It's much more insane than through your phone. And I was watching yeah. it through my phone, and I was like... That doesn't seem that crazy. Yeah, dude. This is my pet peeve with with car videos online is none of them can actually give you the feeling of what the car sounds and feels like. Yeah. I've seen a lot of really good videos of like miking up the, the car and it, it it just peaks every time. Mm. You can't actually feel the vibrations, the different the difference between like the sub bass, like the super low rumbles versus yeah. like the sound of the pitch when you yeah. accelerate. Like none of that comes through on video. The bass that is your chest cavity. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, The loudest video I've ever taken in my life is when all of those cars lined up for the beginning of the race, 20 cars in a row, all at once, light turns green, they all go. I think it probably hit 115 decibels or something like that on my watch. And it, <sighs> it on my phone, it just sounds like, it just sounds like a normal like <laughs> F1 car passing by. It doesn't sound that crazy. It yeah. was chest rattlingly loud. So did you have to wear ear, uh, earplugs? I should have earplugs. Geez. I should have. Look what Apple's done to my vernacular. <laughs> I could have worn AirPods Pro maybe and AirPods like had the, Pro. the That'd pass be good. through on or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, they gave us earplugs. I didn't wear them. I wanted to f- experience it yeah. with all of my <laughs> yeah. all of my being. Yeah. Uh, I would have regretted it. No, it was awesome. Are you a fan now? I honestly, yeah. The thing about going to a, uh, an F1 race in person is like this is a four-mile track or whatever it is, and you can't see most of the track most of the time. Hmm. You only get to post up at like one turn right. or one straightaway. Yeah. So what was happening was we were on this balcony, and I was looking out at the straightaway, which was right between the last turn and turn one. Mm-hmm. But then anytime something interesting happened, you'd hear like a crowd reaction or a gasp and I would turn around and look at the TV broadcast to find out what was happening because that's what everyone else was seeing. And you turn back and I turn back and I'd see and I turn back around and I'd see what was happening on the screen. So it was one of those. How long is one lap? Literally 90 seconds. Whoa. Do you know how far, how many miles that is? So they're going, the entire race is 50 laps, 190 miles. That's whoa. Okay. And it's, 90 minutes long. Wow. 3.8 miles per lap. 3.8 miles per lap, okay. 90 seconds. Wow. They are cruising. Yeah. So when I first got there, we posted up at that like straightaway where they came around the bend and did turn one. And I was looking at the guys. I was like, 
How fast do you think they're going down there? <laughs> we were like, maybe 110. I think they might be going 90 foot, maybe 100 miles an hour around this turn. Oh, think about <laughs> that. 100 to 110 no. miles an hour around the curb. No. And then uh, and then oh we turned God. around and looked at the broadcast, and they have, like, the cameras on the cars and the live speed readouts. Yeah. And they were going 175 miles an hour around the turn. <laughs> the first turn. They're, so they're cruising. Uh, they're, they're going moving. so fast that you see the cars moving, and you think... Wow, I always thought an F1 car was so much bigger than that. That looks like a, a little itty-bitty tiny car. And then you see them stationary, and you're like, wow, this is the biggest car I've ever seen. This is like <laughs> yeah. an SUV-sized vehicle. Dang. Like it, it, it warps it with every single yeah. one of your senses. I've never thought about them being big. And the They're smell. Big. Oh, my god. Dude, I gosh. love the smell. The race fuel. The, the fuel, the tires. Smell. There's just chemical in the air. Yeah, I smell love Hot brakes. chemical. I love that smell. Hot tires. Everything. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it is a much more every sense you have from the vibration to the smell to the to the visuals to the you can see the tires getting torn up in real time. Like yeah. as they go, wow. one set of tires last 20 laps and then huh. they're like done. Oh, my God. They're torn up. It's very it's really interesting. I know a lot of people that were criticizing it for being in Vegas, saying it was just like a lot of spectacle and stuff. But when I think yeah. about when I was like a wee lad playing PlayStation 2, playing Gran Turismo 5. And a lot of the maps were like in Vegas on the Las Vegas strip, strip. and I was like, "Yeah, that would never be a real track." Yeah. And the fact that they, the photos that I saw from it were just like, "There's the Bellagio and like all of the big hotels." The sphere and the in the sphere, background, yeah. Which sometimes had a little emoji face on it, like watching the race as it went by. And then yeah, it was great. after that the was race, awesome. just to put the nail in the spectacle coffin, it was like. <laughs> Fire like there was a coordinated fireworks show launched from the roof of every hotel in Vegas. Jeez. It was literally like a citywide panoramic fireworks show it was from incredible. like all these. It was Vegas is like another universe. Yeah, Vegas at night too. It's like eleven, twelve, midnight. It was it was very picturesque. Wow, it was super cool. That's crazy. So. It was a pleasure to experience it. We were also working the whole time, putting yeah. together a video about F1. I'm going to sort of, I, it'll probably be live around this episode, but F1 explained is, is I am ex very excited about this video. I'm afraid to learn about F1. Because <laughs> <laughs> after Drive to Survive came out, it felt like every single person in my life, it's sort of mm. like soccer or, or football, as I, I'm going to get yelled at mm. in the comments. But oh, yeah. it's, like, it's like whenever the World Cup happens, everyone who I thought just did not care about soccer suddenly is like knows every little thing about soccer. And it felt the same way after Drive to Survive came out. It's like everyone watched that documentary, and now everyone that I know cannot stop talking about F1. There is definitely an element of that, the world coming together for a cultural event. Yeah. My favorite part outside of that is how much what happens in F1 affects what happens outside of F1. Hmm. So there's the obvious part, which is like, these are a bunch of engineers developing like the tiniest fraction of a second improvements on these cars and spending millions of dollars to figure out what works. That stuff will eventually trickle down to the cars you and I get to drive, which is super cool. Yeah. Even if it's just That's like true. a simple thing, like it's like a research materials, division. exactly. Yeah, and it literally is like Ferraris out there racing cars around the track, and then they figure out all of the improvements over time to F one have been one team. Sometimes one guy on one team goes, "I think if we put a wing on the front axle, it would give us more downforce, and that could let us turn faster." Shh, and they'll do that on. Can't see that. They'll, hear. <laughs> they'll do that on their car, and they'll roll out their car and. 
one of the cars will be mysteriously faster for some reason before all of the other teams figure out what's going on mm. and do their own version of it. And that literally happens every year with some innovation on the car. Dang. Okay, wait, so, I have a dumb question potentially. Go for it. Is that why all the F1 cars kind of look the same? Yes. Because they've all like kind of <laughs> fell on this one form factor it's that a just great, works. They all morph yeah, towards It's a good observation. Optimal. If you, yeah, so if you scroll back far enough, they all kind of look like simple tubes with wheels. And as you fast forward over time, you kind of watch them all morph to get flatter and more blade shaped. And then they start to add the same features. But if you're observant enough, you can find archival footage where one of the cars has a front wing and none of the rest do. And then the next season, all of them have front wings. Mm. And then one of the cars has this arrow feature. And then the next season, because it worked really well, all the rest do. My favorite is when stuff doesn't work. So in 2001, there was a Verstappen car that had a huge front wing sticking off of the front, which was like a stupid looking spoiler over the front <laughs> axle. And they rolled it out for a race and it just didn't work that great. Oh. And we never saw it again. Dang. Oh my God. <laughs> Why did they think that that would work? Because downforce on the front axle keeps the front tires planted better around turns yeah i know nothing about cars yeah so. it, it's a lot of physics i could stuff. see why they probably thought that would work so the idea would be like yeah if yeah. we think of something that looks so dumb sometimes it's inside the car huh and it's so secretive too it's like when apple does something secretive it's because they don't want anyone else to copy them when these cars companies these teams do something secretive it's secretive until the moment it rolls out onto the track huh. and then if anyone sees it it's out wow there was a mclaren car that had a third brake pedal inside the car and nobody knew what was going on until a photographer saw that on one side of the car during a corner, their brakes were hot and they were like glowing. And they were like, that's kind of weird because the car is supposed to be accelerating out of this corner, but the brakes are still hot. What is going on? <laughs> what? It's because this was a track that mostly turned left. Whoa. And so they added a brake pedal in the McLaren that would brake just the left side tires while they were turning, so you wow. could accelerate a little while still breaking oh. the inside wheels, which let you turn that faster. Is genius. It was insane, and no so. one could tell how they did it until they, someone, oh, I forgot the story, but someone figured out, like, oh, there no. was a McLaren car got left out after a race, and some guy took a picture of the inside of it and saw an extra pedal and was like, oh, we no, gotta do that. you're making me interested in this. So, so like, <laughs> you can do whatever you want to your car, basically? There are rules, okay. but yeah, within the rules, you must, yeah. Dang, so it's more of an engineering competition. It is exactly what that is, yeah. God dang it. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to avoid this. <laughs> so welcome to the cult, my friend. Uh, okay. uh, the last race is in Abu Dhabi this weekend. I'm sure you'll be watching along with the rest of us. Mm, um, yeah, but the Vegas race was very cool in yeah. person. Cool. And that was like one of two races that happens in the U.S.? Yeah, like two or three. three I think three? Austin and Miami. Okay. And I think this is the last one this year. Wow. So. Crazy. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, it was fascinating stuff. Hopefully that video goes out around this time. Yep. Watch um, it if you haven't already. Otherwise, uh, we know that Dua Lipa <laughs> tried the Vision Pro. Wait, did she? <laughs> I don't think she uh, tried I don't know. It. Sorry. She interviewed Tim Cook. She interviewed Tim yeah, Cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They talked about she its might have, existence. I bet you she tried it. There's no way that D Tim Cook came and was like, what an incredible thing we've made, and then didn't let Dua Lipa try it. Wouldn't that be insane? No, I, dis I disagree. That would be the most Tim Cook thing yeah, ever. Yeah, that's one hundred percent something he would do. Yeah, just be like, yeah, I will be in your podcast to talk about it. But really? You can't try it. But they let me try it. 
I'm sure I'm sure she could try it if she wanted to. Yeah. I'm sure they would get her a briefing. My thing is like if, if Tim Cook were to come on this podcast and he flies to New Jersey and he, he sits down in these chairs, you think he's bringing a Vision Pro with him to let us try it? No, he would flex on us. He'd be like, I've been using Vision Pro for about a year yeah. now. Yeah. And we'd be like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> we know. I, I know. You know I've I never shown a photo of me wearing it ever. Yeah, you'll never see me wearing it. Yeah. For sure. Interesting. Okay. Well, that was the totally nothing going on week in technology this week thanks for tuning in thanks for tuning in hopefully for the love of the sake of my eyeballs and my attention span please do not do this again on thursday night or friday night or we'll I, have to do trivia about we, it. we yes yeah i'm trying to keep you guys up to date with what's going on in technology and when you do things on thursdays and fridays <laughs> we can't it's tough so all right we did our best let's get our trivia out of here trivia time Trivia. Well, I'm writing both my answers. I'm right. writing them both. Quick update on the scores. <laughs> okay. Marquez with 13. Andrew with 12. David with one. Two. This is so dumb. Carry the one. <laughs> 12. Look, I knew what my job was before this. I also knew what like a camera stood for. <laughs> oh my okay. God. Question fine. one. Whatever. One year before OpenAI was launched in 2015, for a total of eight days, Sam Altman was the CEO of what popular social media company? Marquez already has his answers written. You already Pencil wrote down. it? Pencil down. Yeah. Okay. Cool. David is. There's uh, only like two possible answers. There's many mo social media companies. But that have had leadership changes? For eight days. What's your What's your guess? I'm yeah, curious. I'm gonna, Flip him and read, boys. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover my bottom. Oh, you're correct. It's, it's Reddit. It is Reddit. Correct. Wow. Both job. of you got it. The only All other right. option was Twitter, and that was not that long ago. So. Dang, dang. I was hoping I'd slide ahead on this one. He also instated Steve Huffman after him. He did so, which was uh, another fun fun fact. Yeah. All right. Continuing the Sam Altman party bus train <laughs> caboose uh, airplane. Uh, while building his first F1 car. app, yeah, F1 car. <laughs> uh, while building Honestly, his first, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, while building his first app, Sam Altman reportedly worked so hard he got what old timey disease? Marquez has already written his answer. David he wrote, just he, put the pen down. Yeah, I did. Wait, I forgot. Sorry, I forgot I made multiple choice for this you one. You did, you did. Do you need it? It's was, A, gangrene. Okay. okay. B, scurvy. C, consumption. Or D, typhus. Uh, what is consumption? Consumption is an old-timey word for tuberculosis. It's oh. like what they used to call tuberculosis. Oh, yeah. Scurvy. Scurvy. Both correct. Nice. Sam Altman suffered from scurvy. When you asked that question, for some reason, I just knew it, yeah. but I don't remember reading it. That's exactly about it. how I felt. Really? I don't know where I learned that. Wow, in the depths Why of Why do we my both brain. know that? Did he just like whisper it to us one time? <laughs> <laughs> he leaned in and whispered, I had scurvy once. When was the last time you guys used ChatGPT? Uh, today. I put Marquez's F1 script in ChatGPT and I asked if it was accurate. <laughs> Damn. What did it say? It just said like, here, I can read you what it said, actually. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. I was going to say that that's how he implanted somehow this knowledge into your brains, but uh -oh. this story is way I actually better. asked it for an F1 script and that's what it spit out. <laughs> so it should be good. Okay. Yeah, I said, 
is this is there anything incorrect in this script and then i just posted marquez's entire script and it said the script you provided appears to be a detailed and enthusiastic introduction to Formula One, nice. likely intended for a video format. Yeah. It covers a wide range of topics, including the sport's history, technical yeah. aspects, rules, and personal experiences with yeah. the sport. Wow. Without specific content on the accuracy, requirements, or the intended audience, oh. here are some general ob observations. One, it is very comprehensive. The script does an excellent job of covering various aspects, including the technical side, the history, rules, etc. Chat. <laughs> chat. I like this one. Sponsorship integration. The mention of is smoothly integrated, linking the <laughs> linking their specific industry standard focus to F1's emphasis on safety and technology. This kind of in integration is effective for sponsored contents. <laughs> Personal narration style. The script is written in a personal and relatable style, which is engaging for viewers. It narrates personal experiences, opinions, and makes it more engaging than a straightforward factual presentation. This is wild. I know. Chat GPT. It didn't answer your question at all. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very nice to me. The it has eight eight of these uh, of these pillars, and then at the end it says, "In summary, the script is well constructed for an informative and engaging video on Formula One, especially for viewers who have a basic understanding of the sport and are interested in learning more. The integration of personal experiences and the explanation of technical aspects are particularly strong points." I'll take it. I don't think any of us in the studio could have given Marquez a better compliment. Yeah. He's yeah. blushing, blushing right I'm now. I'm blushing over here. <laughs> it also says that you had very good engagement and pacing. It said, accuracy, without cross-referencing every fact, the script seems very accurate. Okay, good. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you know what? Let's end it at that. That's perfect. That's all I need to hear. ChatGPT has officially endorsed this video, so go ahead and watch it when it comes out. Hopefully it's out soon. Hopefully so it's can, not hallucinating. Yeah, hopefully it's, it's totally right. Yeah. And, uh... Oh, that's an F1 car. <laughs> anyway, that'll be it for now. That'll be Hopefully it. Hopefully no other news comes out. Thanks for watching. Talk Catch you in the next one. In the next one. Peace. Bye. Waveform is produced by Adam Alina and Ellis Revan. We are partnered with Vox Media Podcast Network, and our intro after music is by Bane Sill. Whoops. Not, hey, that wasn't bad. That wasn't that bad. Come on. Did Dua Lipa get to try the Vision Pro? No. What happened with the SpaceX rocket? It exploded. It exploded. How many miles of range does a Polestar 2 have? 407! It's 406.96. So 7. How many percent less energy does it consume? 15. 9. <laughs> anyway, okay. I was yeah, thinking was... of that Cholula. I thought that was you. I thought you were going to uh, ask. What percent? What percent of my Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.